This is Mercy Harper, writer for Research Services at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I'm here with Chris Kane, president at the Center for Global Enterprise, to talk about data stewardship and governance. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. Thank you. Good to be here. So we know that supply chain professionals are hungry for more and more data to drive better forecasts, dynamic pricing, smarter logistics, and more. But consumers and business partners are increasingly savvy about how their data is used, and they're concerned about who is using it and what it's being used for. We're in a time when even companies that do invest in data stewardship policies, roles, and structures can still find themselves in hot water because people are super suspicious and honestly, a lot of this stuff just hasn't been figured out. That's why I'm so glad to have you on the podcast today, Chris, to shed some light on this murky subject. So my first question for you is, what does it actually mean for a company to be a good data steward? Well, well, Mercy, uh, first of all, thank you for having me. And I, I think the, the your preamble uh, is really spot on and because companies... And we know from the Center for uh, Global Enterprise that CEOs are actually focused on how much is changing within the workflows and the structure of a corporation today. And what do I mean by that? That we convened uh, over 20 CEOs recently on an initiative that had them all agreeing that the future of their companies is going to be powered by the responsible use of data and AI. And so this is a very high level um, leadership issue that is gaining tremendous momentum. And it's, it's gaining that momentum for two reasons. One is what you've alluded to, which is people are more sensitized to the use of their data and, and when and how that use benefits them as an individual, but also companies and CEOs are realizing that they have to continue to earn trust and they have to do that at the same time as creating value because they're businesses. And so if their business isn't creating value, they're not operating as a business, but you just can't create value and, and ignore the powerful obligation you have to earn trust with your customers or your stakeholders. So what we're seeing in direct answer to your question about what, is it, what does it mean for a company to be a good data steward is, we're seeing the concept of the corporation shift from being a digital enterprise to being a data enterprise. And in that regard, the practices, the management workflows, uh, the culture around being a data enterprise is something that is new and is something that is currently ongoing. So, the most succinct way of answering your question is a company has to continue to create value, economic value, so that their customers can be, uh, their customers' needs and wants can be met, but it has to be done at the same time as earning trust. That makes a lot of sense. Not that it makes it sound any easier to actually do. <laughs> um, so Christopher, I wanna turn to the B2B space. That's where a lot of our listeners are in. Should B2B companies be worried about first-party consumer data privacy that we're all talking about? And if so, where do they need to look to prevent risk? 
So yes, uh, B2B companies should be uh, focused on this, but uh, so are B2C companies. And the distinction, quite honestly, between a B2B and a B2C company, in our opinion, uh, is breaking down. And while it was convenient uh, during the industrial age and maybe even convenient during the, uh, the initial phases of the, uh, of the internet and when the internet was being applied to e-commerce and e-business, it's less so today because of the, the factors that I was just talking about, which is every business is using data, volumes of data and enabling technologies like AI to power their execution. Right. And so the, the distinction for a B2B company who now is able to go direct to consumer is also another contributing factor for why this distinction between a B2B and a B2C company is, is uh, evaporating. Let's take an example. Uh, alcohol beverage industries for years, maybe even centuries, um, alcohol beverage makers had to use distributors to get their product to their customer, their end customer, no longer, right? Uh, and that was set up in part by public policy. That was set up in part by um, going the last mile and how do you go to the last mile? But now companies like Diageo are going direct to consumer. And so that has all kinds of implications for supply chains and procurement issues but also all kinds of implications for the data that that B2B company now will be collecting on that consumer of their products, right? That Johnny Walker or that, you know, whatever the, the brand might be. Uh, so a, a company like Diageo, which has historically been B2B, now is increasingly B2C. And that first party consumer data or customer data is one of the benefits, the derived benefits of that change. And yet to your point, they have to be focused on how do we deal with this new capability and at the same time, the new responsibility. Mm. And that makes a lot of sense. So where are some, we know that there are so many different um, regulatory issues around the world. They're all a little bit different. Um, so where are the places that, you know, especially, you know, those kind of B2C turning B2C sometimes companies, where do they need to look and really focus in on um, to uh, protect first party consumer data? Well, they're, they're always gonna have to be mindful of the privacy laws that exist around the world. And, and those, as you well know, differ by jurisdiction. Um, but in addition to privacy laws, which I think most companies at least are aware of, whether they have mastered their um, management practices to be informed and, uh, and mindful of them. That's a different question, but I think they're aware of the fact that privacy laws exist. And if they're, if they're collecting and utilizing uh, personally identifiable information or first party uh, data, as you've described, um, then they have to be aware of that. I think the more emerging factor is around security given the cybersecurity environment we all find ourselves in today and the cybersecurity environment in which business is transacting around the world. And so I think that there is a, a heightened awareness and a beginning of movements by large supply chain owners, such as General Motors, such as Apple, who are now realizing that they, their supply chain or their constellation of suppliers 
has to be as secure and as cyber ready as they need to be? And how are they going to enable their suppliers to be cyber ready and cyber secure? And they're focusing a lot uh, and we're doing some work with both of those companies to start deepening the readiness of a supplier of a General Motors or an Apple to become more cyber secure. Because if they are more cyber secure, they will be a more trusted partner to Apple or General Motors. And Apple and General Motors will be more secure because so many of the breaches that we've seen recently, whether it's you know, uh, the uh, Colonial Pipeline or whether it is the uh, WannaCry or whether some other uh, ransomware attacks or just outright threats to uh, a company's uh, cyber infrastructure are coming through their suppliers and frequently their small and medium business suppliers. So I would add uh, that I think that cybersecurity is a key top of mind imperative for supply chain owners, uh, given the world we're living in today. Absolutely. And uh, listeners, uh, we'll have another episode. The last one in this series will be focused entirely on cybersecurity. So definitely stay tuned to that. So Christopher, now I want to turn to how technology can help us with all of this stuff. So what are some of the use cases that you've seen for leading technologies like AI, perhaps blockchain, we know has a lot of potential in this space. So I'll point four out uh, that we've been uh, giving attention to. The first is, is how do you optimize logistics and supply chain practices uh, by more transparently and securely leveraging your data? I mean, every company has got data, uh, but can they, can they basically optimize existing use cases through the, the focused utilization of tools and data, like you, uh, tool, technology tools, like you've just said, right? Whether it's AI or whether it's uh, machine learning or whether it is blockchain or whether it's 3D printing, all of these things are collecting data as they execute, right? So optimizing uh, logistics and supply chain practices uh, in a more transparent and visible way, uh, and at the same time, securely uh, leveraging the data is one. Uh, the second would be around how to deliver personalized customer experiences, leveraging data and algorithms, while at the same time respecting the privacy preferences of those people, as we were just talking about. Well, everybody wants to have a more relevant and value-creating customer experience. Companies want to have happy customers, not just satisfied customers. The ability to use technology to make you a happy customer throughout the chain of events that take place when, Mercy, you decide to buy an Under Armour um, you know, set of running uh, uh, leggings or shoes or a coat or whatever it might be. Um, you, you're not only, there are probably about four or five or maybe even 10 steps in that transaction between you and Under Armour. And of course, what you want is an easy, set, a happy experience so that you are ready and willing to tell me, your next door neighbor, that I should really do this because it was great for you. Um, the, at the same time, Under Armour has a way of differentiating itself by making sure you're happy, not just satisfied. Right? Because for you just to be satisfied uh, is gonna probably be on par with you buying the same uh, apparel from Nike or from Adidas, 
right? So the ability to create uh, cu customer experiences that are both secure and respectful of your privacy preferences is bursting onto the scene. Third would be around uh, how do you use these technologies and tools uh, such as you know, artificial intelligence to speed up innovation? Right? How, how can these tools enable companies to move faster with more agility and greater focus to do the things we were just talking about, which is to give you that happy experience, right? Which is then going to multiply your interaction with social media about your experience since, since not just consumers are under um, the purview of transparency in today's world, but companies are as well. And, and those companies who understand that and embrace that and say, I want Mercy to, to comment upon her experience with me are the ones who are leveraging these technologies to speed innovation. The last, one, that last area I, I would just point out is really around talent and workforce, which is obviously a major focus in today's, um, today's world, especially with uh, some of the shifts, demographic shifts, as well as the, the trends in the marketplace due to COVID and et cetera. But you know, AI and other technologies have the potential to remove bias from workplace practices uh, left unfocused on. They also have the ability to create bias in workplace decisions and workplace practices. And so a number of companies are, have developed that we've been working with have developed safeguards to, to mitigate uh, employment bias utilizing AI technologies. And it goes to um, a, a core question of what are your management values? And how do you articulate those management values to the workforce? Awesome. Yeah, I love that that fourth one. That was kind of a surprise for me, but it's it's super relevant because on our most recent uh, supply chain priorities and challenges survey, we found that employee engagement problems were uh, one of the top three obstacles that um, supply chain leaders are facing right now. So I think that any uh, additional options that we can think of for resolving that problem are going to be really helpful. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Chris. You're welcome, Mercy. Thank you for having me. I hope it was uh, uh, fruitful for your uh, listeners. Absolutely. And I want to let our listeners know that this is the fourth in a series of five episodes about digital supply chain transformation with DSCI. Stay tuned to the APQC podcast feed for the next episode where we talk about cybersecurity. And once again, I'm Mercy Harper. Thanks for joining us for this APQC podcast. Please go to apqc.org to learn more about our research. And to learn more about DSCI and digital supply chain transformation, check out dscinstitute.org. Thanks again, and we hope you have a great rest of your day.